Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You've got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Well, things sure have escalated Rather quickly in the world of combat sports, Dana White escalated things by getting things back on track. You can look at what happened with WWE and Vince McMahon separately, of course, is bankruptcy and trying to sell the XFL, a dark cloud surrounding wrestling. But here comes Dana White over the weekend and continues to move forward with fights not only scheduled Wednesday, but Saturday as well. And yes, you have masks on for the weigh-ins today, but at the same time, no issues, at least that have come out of this weekend. So all things moving forward for UFC, no indication whatsoever that they jumped the gun and they rushed things coming back. But, of course, now that's opening things up for other sports, or at least other activities and yes we'll get to major league baseball's proposal that was ratified by one side but not the most important side and there are different weights that you can use depending on the conversation between players and the owners but what's happening here with mike tyson initially was a pretty cool idea it was a pretty cool concept and i don't know two weeks ago it feels like in this quarantine I put a poll up at Shander Show where I asked a very simple question. Who would you want to see Mike Tyson fight? Another 53-year-old was an option. I didn't think it would win. It did not win. There were others, including a bear or maybe it was a full-grown deer. One of the animals was in there. Well, it's now going to be a bare-knuckle fighting championship in which, according to Keith Peterson, announcing this fight, Briggs Tyson... Shannon Briggs, Mike Tyson will fight each other in the main event of the BKFC 12. They're only up to 12. UFC's up to 250. These guys are up to 12. Not often that a 53-year-old Mike Tyson walks into the ring. I've z- This is going to be watched by so many people, and so many people are going to be disappointed royally. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Well, before we move on from this Mike Tyson story, I need to ask, is there anything going on today in the world of LL Cool J? Your former friend at one point. You guys were buddies at you're, one you're point. You're talking about my BFF, uh, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you guys shared a moment on the set of SWAT. Not many people can say that. Nope. Not many people in hip-hop can say that. No, nah, not at all. I'm certain he's thinking about me right now. I wouldn't doubt it. What, is, what do you think he's his, doing uh, right now today? Well, he's quarantining. I know that much. That was the last text he sent me is that he's uh, he's in quarantine. Uh, <laughs> and everything is okay. And everything's okay. 
All right. Now, do you know where he's quarantining? Is he back in, like, Bayshore, or is he somewhere around the world in one of his many homes? No, I think he's in L.A., because I think he was in the middle of filming uh, NCIS. Oh, is that one of these recurring shows that he's on now? That's the gig. That's yeah. the money is TV. You That's get on a television show, and you can just coast. As long as you can remember your lines, you're good. <laughs> I think he's in L.A. I'm going to go okay. with L.A. Okay, just making sure. I didn't know if there was anything going on. Hey, no, was... I know he's an East Coast guy, though. He is, but look, when you're in Hollywood now, he is not even... I don't even consider him a musician anymore, do you? No. I don't. He's is, an actor. Is, is he even an East Coast guy anymore? No, well, that's my point. It is yeah. He has transitioned from East Coast rapper to West Coast actor. There's a little rhyme right there for you. <laughs> Maybe we can sell that to L.L. All right. I don't know why. I just thought I'll pass maybe it on to my buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know why. I thought there might have been something interesting or, you know, today's his birthday or some reason why you'd open up with a, a very strong. No. Probably his one of his strongest of all time. But just uh, just yeah, feeling just, it. Just feeling it. Yeah. I love it's Tuesday. It, I is love it. Tuesday? It. No, it's Wednesday. What day is it? No, it is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Trust me. I am reminded right. only by the weather. I'll, Just I'll spare weather... you uh, LeBron James's, uh, my, my impression of Le- LeBron James. What, the uh, it's about damn time? No, Tuesday. Oh, please, the Taco Tuesday? Yeah. Well, do you have that on a drop? No, I don't. Well, then well, what we could do is if you have it on a drop every Tuesday, you could ask in No, that... I know what I should do. <laughs> well, then, what's that? Never mind. I'll, I'll surprise you. Okay, you'll surprise me. I mean, we could do that. We could take that awful Geico commercial where the camel's walking around. Hey, Mike, you know what day it is? For Wednesday. Mike, 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 Mike. Just to remember it's hump day on Wednesday. I mean, we can have all these reminders. Nobody's going to know what day it is until we remind them. Honestly, the only time I remember or look up and see what day it is, it's because of the weather to see if today's the day you can go play golf. Yeah, because so, if it's cloudy and rainy, then you know it's the weekend. Absolutely, you would think, right? Unless you're living in, like, Edinburgh. But, yes, absolutely. Then it's pretty much weekend ahead. So, question for you. We're going to get to this. I put it out on Twitter. You can follow us both, at Shander Show for me, at Ron Twins Culver. I forgot to tag you. I didn't tag anybody. I apologize. I'll make up for that on the next tweet. But it does have to do with The Last Dance. We're heading into the final weekend of The Last Dance, the final two episodes. I still haven't seen... This past weekend's knowing that a lot of it focuses on the time in which Jordan was out. And that's where I wanted them to really go deep into more so than what we were even living with, which was just conspiracy conjecture and people believing what they wanted to because nobody really came out and said otherwise. So I put the tweet out and this is going to kind of coincide with you, Ron, since you've already seen the, the past two episodes knowing where we're going to end this weekend. But it's more so just about learning and seeing what people have truly learned. And it's not a weighted question, right? You know, sometimes radio hosts like to sneak in a weighted question and just to bait. Uh, There was a guy in Philly years ago who would just be like, all right, well, I guess nobody cares about, you know, topic A. (laughs) Nobody cares. And then people would call up and say, well, oh, I care. And then he'd just bash him because he was really baiting topic B. I'm not baiting anybody. I even said it doesn't matter how young you are. Even small stuff works. But the biggest thing that I wanted to learn that I don't think anybody got, and I'll appeal to you, Ron, since you've seen it already, is 
the depths of why he left. He didn't leave because he got bored with the Bulls. He didn't leave because he wanted to try something new. This is not an astronaut who walked the moon and then came back and said, you know, bagging groceries just not for yeah. me. I walked the moon. No, what we were led to believe is that he left because he was exhausted and there were no more challenges for him. Yeah, that, I don't, that's what, I don't that's believe. That's what was told to us. Uh, episode 7, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it yet. That's but fine. Episode 7 of The Last Dance. He left because he was tired after winning uh, third three straight. And listen, I get that he was tired. I mean, he's played, you know, when you make, when you win three straight, you're playing, well, that's almost like four seasons total. Plus throw the Olympics in there. I mean, even though the Olympics were fun, you know, he didn't really have a break ever. In those yeah. in that in that three year span, three year span though, Ron, think about this. No, Guys no, no, like no. Kobe I, and LeBron right, were playing right. at a high school, and right. But what I'm saying is, you know, he had a there was a three year span where he played a lot more games than everybody else. We, I can get the fact that he's tired, but then you know you you kind of rest and recuperate and come afterwards. Um, I don't get the I've done it all. Right, I'm, I have nothing else to achieve. Yeah. Attitude. Think about it. It wasn't even a general consensus at the time. I mean, was he just uh, bored and assuming that, hey, you know, I come back next year, I'm going to win it again. Yes, it's, but he had to it's, it's because stupid. think about it. At, even at he could have got away with this if it wasn't for those sneaky kids. Now, he could have gotten away with this if he had done this after he won six straight because when he wins three straight – People were calling him the best ever, but it wasn't general consensus. It wasn't like it is now where you're going back and forth with, oh, it's either Jordan or maybe LeBron. Back then, people were still talking about Magic and Bird. Yes, he won three straight, and he did something that very few have ever done, but it still wasn't a slam dunk, pardon the pun, that Jordan was the best ever. So that alone, I think, is motivating somebody as ridiculously petty and needing a mountain from a molehill to motivate himself, let alone everybody else. That alone is enough to keep him going. The fact that, yeah, he reached some pinnacle and he needed to try something else. This documentary makes me believe that less. Like the fact that this documentary has come out and shown us all these things about Jordan and who he is and how he really was with teammates for younger people and reminding all of us who lived through it, I think even less there's credence to that theory that Jordan took time off because he was bored with the league. He was tired and needed two years, mind you, to rest or simply there were no more challenges. What are we led to believe there? No more challenges. Come on. That's what they... The NBA was just that easy. For him, I think it was, yes. No, no, no. I agreed to to a certain point that, you know, he he had done it all. I mean, he was MVP. He won the finals, finals MVP. Won three in a row. That was something that, you know, Magic and Larry never did, which was a big deal to him. But I, I still... Don't believe that he was bored. No, not when you have somebody who has 13 championships. Yeah. Granted, they played now, center. But- I will say this about the show. I don't believe, I used to kind of think this in the back of my mind, but I don't now that his father was murdered over gambling debts. Well, here's the thing. 
that may be the case in which his father was not murdered over gambling debts, which was a very convenient conspiracy to yeah. kind of pile on. Yep. But he definitely here's the thing. Michael Jordan getting punished and basically suspended under the radar by Stern for gambling on basketball, for being basically a gambler in his own sport, I think is different than his father dying for whatever reasons. Right. And even to the point, and I know I'm being a conspiracy theorist of my own here, Ron, but even to the point in which Jordan could have separately been betting on him crushing the Knicks, and that comes to light to Stern, as well as betting with some really bad people and tallying up some big bills and something might have happened as a result of that, those two things could happen in a mutually exclusive world. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I think it was just a, an amazing coincidence that they coincided with each other right around the same time frame. But I do believe, I believe more so now than I had, bef- had in the past that his now his father uh, passed away or was murdered just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. What makes you think that? I'm curious. Uh, there was a full-scale investigation. Right. Which I didn't really you know, really com- didn't really think about back in the day. I mean, the, the fact that he was missing for a while, the police would have, would have gone through everything. And once they found out that he was murdered, they wouldn't have left a stone um, unturned. Now I'm saying this because, you know, I mean, I guess, well, this was in South Carolina, North Carolina. I'm not sure which one of the Carolinas was in. Could have been ran by the same police department as the ones who have not yet found Carol Baskin's husband. Yes. I'm just throwing that out there as well. Yes. But I just, do I, I do believe now, like, you know, listening to some of the people talking, whether they were paid to say it or whether they were convinced to say it, um, you know, that, that his father was not murdered over gambling debts. But his father was murdered, probably just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Look, I, I think that when you are controlling the message in this documentary, like Jordan is, there's always going to be that cloud of doubt, if you will, over the whole program. But to further it, as far as there was an investigation, Jordan didn't just leave it and say, oh, you know, no, don't worry about it. Just let it go. There was a full on investigation and they did. I believe they got both the shooter and the driver. Right. As far as everything that was involved in the murder itself. Right. And even still, you can look at a couple of statements that were made, I believe, from the driver, not the shooter, saying, you know, they were pawns in it. And some of the may some people may say, well, that's just them trying to pawn off guilt. That's them bringing up something bigger as far as the conspiracy is concerned. It's it's definitely out there. But the bigger thing that's, I think, unfortunate about all of this is there is very little, even David Stern, there's very little that's convincing that Jordan didn't bet or Jordan wasn't punished for betting in the NBA. And I think that's what happens is people bring up the conspiracy about his dad, and you're right, where you can point to a couple of things that would say this is coincidence, just terrible timing, wrong place, wrong time for a guy, Mr. Jordan, Michael's dad. But at the same time, that doesn't negate why Michael Jordan or what caused Michael Jordan to leave the NBA. And the reasons they give make me dig even deeper. And that's why I felt like maybe I'm just subconsciously being resistant to watching these two episodes, knowing that I think I'll be disappointed in them 
praising, oh, you know, Michael Jordan could have been a baseball player if he wanted, you know, focusing on all of these things, but not really why he got there. And it doesn't mean, like, I, I'm not trying to hero shame anybody. I'm not trying to trash or take down Jordan's legacy by any means. I don't think it changes at all because I can't live on a planet where I accept a reality where Michael Jordan, of all things, bet uh, against him, bet against his team. Like, how shocked would you be if Michael Jordan tanked a game the first or second week of the NBA regular season? Probably as shocked as you'd be if anybody tanked. Like, he would be the last person, I think, to say, no, 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 here you go, a million dollars on the Knicks and then purposely lose to the Knicks. But I don't understand why they refuse to go deeper than just, well, Jordan left and he went on to play baseball. There is something that came out, and we'll get to this coming up as well as this Mike Tyson stuff, which I am just floored that there is an actual interest, and it looks like Mike Tyson is getting paid $20 million. $20 million was the offer. We'll see if, in fact, they anteed up. And news, as I mentioned, about the Michael Jordan documentary and the guy Slim in 2000. The question is out there at Shander Show, at Ron 2N Culver on Twitter as well. It's the second level. Pretty down night right now. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. Should we just make this the main rejoin on the big Probably. segment of the first hour, right, every Tuesday? I mean, I forgot that we had it. Me and too. Then, and then you mentioned it. Well, you mentioned something, and I remembered This is an awesome, absolutely, this is the rendition right here when it comes to Taco Tuesday music. Would one say it's it's a banger of a song? Absolutely. Whenever Migos gets their hands on things, I think it only enhances it. And that's the case with Taco Tuesday was just some sort of stupid video that LeBron James tried to trademark. I'm sure it's mentioned in the new Space Jam, but he tried to trademark. And then all of a sudden, Migos come in, and they get their hands on it. Now it's a hit. Now it's a banger. I mean, think about it. Any stupid thing like Tampa Brady. I bet you the Migos get their hands on Tampa Brady, and it becomes a banger. That's the B-side of Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, Tampa Brady. That's a single right there, A and B-side. They'll mess with anything. And it's just they don't create their own stuff. It's not like this is you know anywhere from Mozart to Public Enemy, but... They're definitely having fun with more corny and and stupid stuff. Um, Look, I'd rather listen to the Migos come back with Taco Tuesday than the LeBron James video, right? That's just the same thing over and over again. Did he even create a new one, or was it just that same one? I think it was just that same one. I think it was just that same one. Right. Well, no, I don't know. I think he did a couple. Did he? He did a couple of takes? I think he did a few, maybe okay. different days, because he, uh, you know, the lighting might have been a little different. But let's face it, in reality, it doesn't really matter. No, it, it doesn't. Not at all. Not when you have a song like that. That is insanity right there. I'm telling you, I'm with it. Migos wants to touch Hump Day with the Geico commercial, The Camel. We can do that. 
If there's what's Thursday? Thirsty Thursday? I know you guys do throwback Thursday. Throwback so we, Thursdays usually is that well uh, that's you two. Globally. I can't, no, no, but globally that's the traditional thing. Throwback what about Thirsty Thursday? I feel like Thirsty Thursday's a thing. I, I don't know if that's a thing. Uh I usually they, not that thirsty on a Thursday. Yeah, it's that's the whole point. Thursday is a busier night than Friday usually. Thursday gets it going. Thursday is like the pinball machine where you pull back and fire that sucker into the weekend. Thursday, maybe it's just something Bruno populated like a couple of years ago, and I just assume that it was bigger. Because I know, I, I don't know why, but I associate Thirsty Thursday with him. I thought that was like a big radio thing because you know, he's been around for like 60 years. So I figure if he's doing something, other people were too. But you go with thr- – now you're just saying that for selfish purposes because – you and Tony do Throwback Thursdays every week. I think Thirsty yeah, Thursday. That's, I don't think that's exclusive to us. Well, no, but I don't want to do it as well. As we my have, I mean, you're putting us in that LeBron position to we should trademark Throwback Thursday. No, I don't think Maybe you should we trademark should throw, it. Th- try to trademark Throwback Thursday. That's a great idea. Well, if you could do that, fantastic. I also think it wouldn't hurt if you reached Retirement out to the Migos. There you go. Could reach out to the Migos with that retirement fund and get them to do a Throwback Thursday track for you. I'm sure they'd be up for it. All right, I want to talk about this thing with Slim coming up in the backdrop of what people have learned about the last dance. Mike Tyson mentioned this. Initially, it was a $20 million offer for Mike Tyson to get into the ring courtesy of the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, and take on Shannon Briggs. Now, this would be Tyson's first fight in 15 years. He's 53 years old. The last time he got into the ring is when he took on and then lost to Kevin McBride, who has since retired as an Irish boxer, and that's all he's known for in 2005. That's it, beating Mike Tyson. 35 and 10, the guy fought for a while, and the main claim to fame is beating Mike Tyson. Remember, there was an 05, now it would be like this world-famous meme where Tyson is just sitting there with his back to the ropes thinking, what's going on? And here's the thing. I will say this. It will be a travesty of a train wreck that I know I'll watch and you will watch as well. But there's one thing about Mike Tyson that has probably been forgotten, right? We're all caught up in Michael Jordan, the last dance, and reliving this great legacy and legend that is Michael Jordan, whatever you see it on the screen. And a lot of people remember who Mike Tyson was in the ring, Iron Mike Tyson, pre, of course, Kevin McBride and biting ears and all that stuff, mainly pre-prison back when Customato was alive. We remember what that fighter was at one point. And yes, He did reinvent himself on screen. The hangover helped a lot, and he has tamed himself down a significant amount. He's become a different person. But one thing I think we've all forgotten, or at least we don't bring up enough, is what happens when things go off the rails. Like Mike Tyson, all right, is great. He is the living embodiment of that phrase that either he or somebody coined about him, which is everybody has a plan until you get punched, right? Everybody has a plan when you get in the ring until you get hit. 
And that's Mike Tyson to a T, which is if something goes wrong, doesn't matter if it's 20 seconds into the fight or if it's in the third round of a bare-knuckle fight with Shannon Briggs. If something isn't going to plan with Mike Tyson, you have everything all in one. Like, you've got the Coughlin face, the Manning face, like the Rivers up and down screaming. You could have Tyson himself just sitting there in amazement, staring into space like, what did I do? He might go off and bite maybe he goes for the jugular this time of shannon briggs he might do something ridiculously crazy that you have no idea at all could even happen in a boxing ring in this case a bare knuckle boxing ring so that's probably why i'd watch it just to see, not to see 250 plus year olds fight i can't believe that this is even appealing from a fighting standpoint it's only appealing for a trip and why is mike i mean i guess 20 million dollars 20 million dollars i'd probably get in the ring and fight mike at least i just you know cover myself with the root of the issues. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. I watched a ton of King of Queens last night. Now, the difference is that I was paying much more attention than I normally do when I watch a ton of King of Queens. I promise you, and it's all over my Twitter account. It's... On a lot of shows, try to work it in. One time when I was in Nashville, I actually lied to a, I guess it was a producer who was working a tour, like a circuit. So what happens is you have guests, celebrities, if you will, and they run uh, the gambit on interviews. And you'll get an email because I was producing and doing sports for a news talk show in the morning in Nashville, and it was awesome. I mean, I was working ridiculously awful Ron Culver morning hours, but outside of that, I was in Nashville, and the host I worked with was a really cool dude, and he was out of the building at, you know, like 10 a.m., so I was out of the building at like 10.30, and he got me golfing a lot, so the weather down in Nashville is paradise for a lot of the year. That aside, I was trying to do as much as I could in the world of sports and build up more of a resume. Now, this is back in 07, 08, around that time. And I remember getting an email. A lot of times I got emails because I was with a morning show that was a news talk show. So anything was available for us. And we would get stuff from books. We would get authors. We would get TV people. We would get uh, DIY. We would get politics. Every now and again, you get an athlete. But it was always doing some sort of book tour, something along those lines. And I remember Victor Williams from King of Queens, who plays Deacon on the show, was doing a tour. And I think at the time, it might have been just before or right around the time where he started voicing these Verizon commercials as well. So he was the voice of these Verizon commercials, and he was doing a book tour. So I knew that I could not convince the host to do this interview. He couldn't care less about 
King of Queens. What the hell is King of Queens? No, we're doing political stuff. Get out of here. No Taylor Swift, King of Queens stuff. I remember him saying that. I was like, no, no, that's at that point. I wasn't going to even dive into the pool of explaining. It was just like, all right, let me move on here. So I remember writing back and lying to the booker, basically saying, look, I, I, you know, the host can't do it, but I'll do it. I'll make sure that we air it on the show and even recorded it and made sure that I cut it up and gave a couple of air checks back so I could interview Victor Williams just so I could say I interviewed Victor Williams just because, and I don't even know how many people heard it, to be honest. I played it for a couple of friends who enjoyed the show and liked the show and heard it, but they were probably so sick and tired of my voice at that time anyway that they tuned it out if they even opened up the file. But it was a lot, and it was worth it because it's a show that, I definitely connected with on the same level as I think a lot of people, including myself, did with Seinfeld and a lot of the other big, The Office, the huge popular shows. I understand and recognize that people don't accept, nor should they really accept King of Queens on the same level as those other shows. I don't walk up and down the block banging this drum, mandating that people watch this show, and if you don't like it, you don't know what the hell you're talking about on television. But watching it, and appreciating Jerry Stiller's character even more so, I was just spanning the series and going from a couple of early episodes all the way through, not really the last season because it was a short one and kind of forgotten, but all the way through the second to last season, eight. And I know, Ron, you yourself are not an expert, a self-proclaimed expert on the series, but you've watched it enough. I can tell just from conversation that we've had You've watched the show enough, I think, to appreciate Jerry Stiller and the role that he played in Arthur Spooner. There is one episode. I don't know if you've seen this. It's an early episode, maybe in the first or second season, where he dates Doug's aunt, who splits up with her husband, technically Doug's uncle, and she flies up to Queens, and he dates Arthur Spooner, dates his aunt. Have you seen that one? No, it's not sounding too familiar. All right, the reason why I bring it up is because it's the closest thing, and again, it's early in the series. It's probably the first, I think it actually is the first series season, but it's the closest and the it's the only episode, as somebody who's watched everyone multiple times, it's the only episode where he's remotely close to Frank Costanza. Like, he has these Frank Costanza-type outbursts in Frank Costanza situations. So... It's a party. It's a wedding party where they're celebrating, I think, like the 10th anniversary or something of their wedding. And, of course, Arthur Spooner's there, right, because it's his kids, his daughter, and, and Doug celebrating the party. So they have this tall guy. He's a famous actor. as like a C or D actor. You'd know him right away. He's like a poor man's Kramer, if you will. And, and he's in this. And he's eating these devil. He's taking these devil's eggs off of a tray. And there is Spooner counting him in the back. One... Two, three, four, and he goes, four deviled eggs? What kind of an animal? You know, he's yelling at him. And it's just Frank Costanza in its purest moment. But other than that, you'll never find anything like that. So that's why I was curious if he saw Because everything else, he's much different in the show. But I don't know why. I was watching that last night, and it popped out in my head. I was like, you know what? That's the only time you'll ever see anybody be able to accuse Jerry Stiller of morphing the two characters together. That would be it. Other than that, it's completely separate. But 
I know that Brad Blanks, I, I got an email from him. He's posted the audio that he mentioned yesterday at Brad Blanks on, inter, on Instagram, pardon me, where you can see the interview that he had with Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira as well. And it's really cool to relive the comedy and the duel that they had. And that's something that I didn't know nearly enough about until he died yesterday, finding out more about that dynamic comedic duo that he and his wife and Mira had. At Shander Show is saying get me on Twitter. We'll be back up on Twitch tomorrow. I know people are tweeting about the stream. We're working on that. Tomorrow we'll be back up. So on Twitter, asking really what people have learned and how much information has truly come out versus something that maybe reinforced your earlier belief. We'll get to Major League Baseball's belief, if you will, that things can start in maybe two months from now, which I think is very ambitious, and I'll explain that at 12.10 Eastern, 12.40 Eastern. We'll be joined by our NFL insider, John McMullen. At Jonesy underscore LJR, Mike Jones tweets in, I knew Krause wanted Jackson out, but I didn't know the full extent of the divide between them. He really said, quote, you could go 82-0, and and you're still not coming back. That, I, you know, the hate of Isaiah Thomas and keeping him off the dream team, I think is something we all knew and experienced and lived with and kind of accepted because, hey, it was Jordan, especially during the time. But I see that come up a lot when people are tweeting about the show, which is this belief that was turned into a reality well before the season was even played out, which is nothing's working. Nothing's coming back. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. Michael Jordan's not coming back. Phil Jackson, it's not happening. We're moving on. We're moving in a new direction. And to that point of Kraus and Riesendorf, you know, really gutting this team and forcing people out, if it's Michael Jordan himself, and you still saw him drop 20 a night in Washington, and then I think it dipped to like 19 a night his final year. So it's not like the guy just fell off the face of the earth. But that, I think, is a big one, just Kraus and, and this drive that he had where you may hear it as far as a rumor is concerned. You may hear it as far as, well, we thought that he just wanted more attention but, no, these are things that he actually came out and said specifically that it didn't matter at that point about Phil Jackson's future. Another one at uh, K-Service 6, not Kevin Service, tweets, Jordan was Horace Grant's dietitian. I didn't know about that either, and I still don't know how that was enforced. I know that was – now, actually, I don't know because I didn't see it yet, but it was clearly brought up in the ones I did w- watch – did they bring this up, or did they further this, Ron, in the previous two episodes on Sunday night about Michael Jordan not allowing Horace Grant to eat? They didn't uh, touch on that again at all, because by the time these episodes aired, Horace Grant was a bobcat. Is that okay? So they were already moved on. They already moved on, yeah. Got it. So it was a quick little... Or not a bobcat. He was with the uh, Magic. Correct, Magic. Well, yeah, and it was on that team that made Went that run. to the run. finals, yeah. Absolutely, with Nick Anderson. And a young Shaq and Penny Hardaway. That was an amazing team there. Of course, you saw it the year after that where Nick Anderson and, and company took on Jordan when he came back wearing the 45. So they barely touch on that, but it's this big story about how Michael Jordan prevented Horace Grant from eating and I don't know how that's enforced without Horace Grant basically saying, okay, 
Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to piss the guy off even more? Are you going to risk getting punched in the face? He's already stood up to Jordan a couple of times at that point. I don't know. That whole thing seemed really bizarre that Horace Grant would be a guy who would, I guess, stand up, if you will, to Jordan and upset him to levels in which it would drive Grant off the team, yet at the same time, he would readily accept Jordan's punishment of, well, you didn't play well, so you're not going to eat. It seems odd. I don't know. And again, you always go back to Jordan controlling a lot with this documentary, but it seemed very odd there. Uh, One more at uh, Matesh Patel at MK Patel underscore. The round of golf in between game one and two versus the Celtics in 86. MJ initially not sold on Jackson and the triangle philosophy. Him going MVP, all-star MVP, and defensive player in the year in the same year. Still dumbfounded by that. (laughs) That was one. See, we think of Jordan as the champion, right? We think of Jordan because that's all the sport has been reduced to by talking heads on TV trying to get points for arguments, which is, no, 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 Jordan did this in the finals. Well, LeBron did this in the finals. Well, Kobe did this in the finals. Duncan did this in the finals. Well, what about Wilt? Well, what about as far as Russell? It just keeps going and going. But years in which you don't win have basically been forgotten. Years in which you come close, or maybe you just don't get anywhere near, maybe you don't even get out of the first round. But those years have been forgotten and have just been swept under this collective stats rug. Well, this is what he did overall. See, this is what he did as far as career is concerned. But yes, Matesh, you're right. I mean, that year itself is not discussed, and being able to collect a ton of accolades like that, wrap them all up, You don't need to finish every single season at the top, but we've been forced now to believe that, oh, LeBron didn't win. Well, cancel that season for him. Or Jordan didn't win. Well, doesn't matter. His career only begins year one of the championship run. At Shander Show, I have some more coming in about what people truly learned at this point, including at Ribman 20. I'm absolutely tired of hearing about Jordan at this point. It's constant. Well, I don't know. I haven't been tweeting that much about the last dance. Maybe Keith 20 is following the wrong people. We'll wrap the hour next year on the second level. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. couple things we'll get to in the second hour before John McMullen and even before fake news at 1225 Eastern with Ron Culver. One, Major League Baseball's plan to return by July 2nd or 3rd. And the other comments being made as we speak by Dr. Fauci to a Senate hearing. Regarding, of course, the country and reopening, but there's something he mentioned that's going to have a gigantic impact on college sports in the fall, specifically college football. And as I mentioned, here in Philadelphia and the greater Philly counties, and I'm right outside Philadelphia downtown itself in Montgomery County, they have reopened the golf courses. So taking full advantage of that 
and I've lost everything that I gained as far as momentum over the last couple of months sitting on my ass and not being able to get back out there. It's amazing. I, I can't even see the ball anymore. So every now and again, when I get a hold of it, and I brought this up the other day, I sliced it, but it was trailing, and I lost it. Now I'm on yellow balls because I refuse to lose the white balls in the air and, and nearly kill somebody. And I, I can't blame it on my family who was with me because it wasn't their job to watch the ball, but we lost it. And we're teeing off from really high up on a par three. And the other hole to the right of us where I would slice the ball is coming back the opposite end. And it's very flat, but it's down. So I nearly hit and probably would have nearly killed somebody if the ball actually landed on this body, but instead it landed like five feet from his feet, no four, no announcement, nothing like that. And I guess I'm easy to identify, so he knew it was me. And then I get word from my fiance that the four of us, me, her, and the guy I nearly killed and his wife are going to be playing this weekend. So I imagine that's probably going to be brought up at some point. I should probably preemptively say something, right? Like I can't, I shouldn't wait until maybe it's brought up on like the eighth hole. Oh, by the way, you know, you suck so bad that you nearly killed me. I should probably just make a joke right away, right before I even come up and elbow bump or, you know, keep my distance. It's not something I should wait because then I can control the moment. Do you think Michael Jordan would wait? wonder if anybody's ever been hit by a ball from Jordan. wonder if Jordan has ever sliced so bad that he put it to the other tee box, hit somebody, and had to write off a $50,000 check. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. you got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. How many days have you been quarantined now? Months, at least for me, Philadelphia, it's been over two months. Maybe not even Philadelphia, the city, but the suburb where I'm in, at least two months at this point. And I'm sure there are places that have been going on longer. And Maybe if you're only quarantined for four weeks or six weeks, it feels like four years or six years. Now, I admittedly did not follow the advice of so many and maybe it's just because of the whole premise of stay out of my world stay out of my life i I don't need advice from some stranger just because they have a blue check mark on twitter telling me how to maximize my time during the quarantine i admittedly did not maximize i did not pick up a new skill a new hobby i did not find uh, you know learn how to knit for example or anything that i had no idea how to fix a carburetor or anything like that i did not learn a new skill a new trade i did not pick up a new hobby in fact i actually got worse at stuff 
sitting on my butt got significantly worse at golf. Not that I could have gotten much better, but still, that was a reality. Nothing along the lines of an 11-year-old kid who has shamed all of us. Every single one of us has now, I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've learned how to cook or if you finally put together that 5,000-piece puzzle that you've been waiting to do forever, or if you taught your kid how to play Operation without getting that shock back. I don't care what it is. You have not done what this 11-year-old kid did in Brazil, turning a 1080-degree off a vertical ramp. That sets a record. 1080-degree turn on a vertical ramp. Tony Hawk has to be looking at this thing thinking, man, what am I doing right now in quarantine? That is what he's done. His school closed in Brazil. Now, if you're this kid, why even go back to school? You know what you're going to do. You'd be a professional skateboarder. And now your parents can't say anything. You can homeschool all you want. The virus has shut everything down. This kid will be a pro by next year. Watch. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. You'll hear from Dr. Fauci, who's currently going back and forth with a couple of senators, Rand Paul including. If you're wondering why Paul is the top trend in the country, followed by that hashtag Senate hearing. It's because Fauci's talking about some pretty serious stuff, and it has to do in our world with the return of college football and an even deeper conversation about college football athletes more so than anybody else who's playing a college sport, no matter the season. That's Shander's show for me. We'll hit fake news with Ron coming up in 13 minutes at Ron Twins Culver on Twitter. Also, John McMullen at 1240. Major League Baseball, it's going to happen when we get off the air. I have no doubt. Major League Baseball, the players are going to respond to the proposal. And I'm going to guess that the players are going to say no. I'm going to guess that the players, their two biggest issues aren't being addressed. And of course, the biggest one, more so than anything else, is not health. No, it's money. It's money first and foremost because way too many people are involved here. The entire league is involved here. Not every single person is living with a small child or two or three. Not every single person, player, is living with somebody who's at high risk. Not every single person has been impacted by the virus equally. It doesn't matter how much you make if you're talking about giving up a significant amount of your salary this year simply because games are done and that's it, it's a wrap, we're going to start halfway through and everything that happened is gone and we're not going to make that up, well then you're going to find resistance. And you're going to find more resistance across the board. The revenue share that the owners have ratified, I don't see getting ratified by the players. There is no immediate push Right now, just because Dana White has figured something out on a much smaller scale doesn't mean that Mike Trout or Mike Johnson, anywhere in between those guys, need to, are compelled to, forced 
to get back on the field right now. Look, Dana White did it. UFC did it. What the hell are we waiting for? Come on, let's go make some money. No. In fact, it's more reason for them to pause and make sure that they can figure this out from a financial standpoint. And as you'll hear, and we'll talk about it before fake news as well, this whole thing about the fall in college football and sports being impacted by schools and whether or not colleges, universities, high schools, middle schools will reopen, that's going to then have an impact right now on how people think. If, in fact, you're a parent and you're also a multi-million dollar baseball player, you've been told, based off this hearing and others have been telling you that, It's unlikely school will return as we know it and as we normally deal with it in the fall. It won't be the same. If anything, it'll be virtual as it is going on right now for a lot of places. The schools are physically closed, but people are doing it. Kids are going through on a virtual level. That is the most likely reality. If you ain't going to be allowed in these stadiums, you sure as hell not going to be allowed in schools first. That's going to be a reality that you're going to hit first and foremost with schools. But... If you're a parent and you're contemplating the health and safety of you returning to work in the next two months, yet your child is not going to be able to go to school in the fall, that's going to have an impact on you. Making a decision right now, talking to your union rep, and ultimately with everybody from a player standpoint, coming to some sort of unified decision. This is not a work stoppage. This is not something in the NFL where your union is so bad that you're basically forced to cut a deal so you don't miss time and miss work. It's not like either side has a ton of leverage over the other, but from the player's standpoint, they did not initiate any type of work stoppage in order to get something better in a deal. They're going through it pretty much like everybody's going through it from a work standpoint of if you're going to send me back to work, and you work in an industry that has a union, you're going to make sure that the people that are paid to protect you, down to you yourself making any individual decision you have, any individual control you have, you're going to make sure that you're protected. Because beyond your money, the other thing, of course, is your family, the people that are living with you, children, people at high risk, whoever it may be, Not every single player walks in there living in some bachelor pad. Not every single person is leaving nothing at home, even a pet for that matter. So there is a major concern about just players returning from a health standpoint as well as the payment. So by tomorrow, we'll have more to talk about. And I think my educated guess would be we'll talk about the players saying no. We'll talk about the players declining this option that Major League Baseball's owners gave them to return in the start of July simply because it's not ready yet to pull out of the oven. It's there. It's more half-baked. It's not ready yet. At Shander Show on Twitter, we'll hit fake news coming up in seven minutes. It's the second level. John McMullen, 1240 Eastern Time. All right, let's listen to a cut from Dr. Fauci talk about a very realistic issue that we all could be facing in the fall. In this case, that the idea of having treatments available or a vaccine to facilitate the re-entry of students into the fall term would be something that would be a bit of a bridge too far. Even at the top speed we're going, we don't see a vaccine playing 
in the ability of individuals to get back to school this term. You know, there are two things that jump out at what Dr. Fauci just said. The first, and I can't get it out of my head, so I blame you because you're responsible for putting promos into the system that run. But Tony's Fauci is awful. You know, what? the more I, it's a great you, promo you that you guys have. No, look, look, look. The show is fantastic. It's a, it's a great promo because it's burned in my head right now. But I think I've heard Tony do other impressions. I've heard him do voices, if you will. And they're all great. They're all on the level. But I don't know. There's something about that Fauci that's really off. Hmm. Are you gonna def- are you gonna defend your guy here, or do you think? I mean, come on, you heard that cut. I did. I think it's. Uh, yeah, he sounds it's like my. Close. You think it's close? It's close. I, I tell you what. Could Let's we see. pull? Could uh, hold we? On. I'm, I'm working on it. I don't. I don't. I'm you're working always, on it here. I know. You're a step ahead of me. Is there a way you could pull that simultaneously while replaying the Fauci, or no? Yeah. Okay. Could, let's replay. Well, hold the, on. I got to find the right one, and it'll no. be. It's not going to be the. Uh, It'll just be a dry version. It's not oh, of be... course. Of course. I just wanted to make sure that we could definitely do both. It'll be the battle. Okay, who, who do you want to hear first? This is the dueling Fauci's right here, okay? Yeah, who do, you, wa- who do you want to hear first? I want to hear the original first, and then let's hear what Tony D did with it. How about that? Okay. In this case, that the idea of having treatments available or a vaccine the idea. to facilitate the reentry of students into the fall term would be something that would be a bit of a bridge too far. Even at the top speed we're going, we don't see a vaccine playing in the ability of individuals to get back to school this term. Okay, that is Dr. Fauci, born New York City. Doesn't sound like a thick New York City, and the idea is something you usually hear more up in New England than you hear in New York. So maybe his parents moved to Southern Connecticut or something. Mm. That is, that's the real, that's the real Fauci. Let's hear Tony's. is it? Who as a country do we trust enough to, when they go, (laughs) you can go back to work, you can go to sports arenas, that we go, absolutely, thanks. Is it Dr. Fossey? Is it him? Because he's like, we may never be able to shake hands ever again. (laughs) Why is your Dr. Fossey voice one step away from Gilbert Gottfried? I don't know what you're talking about. Hold on here. I'm going to isolate some stuff here. Then we're going to have some fun with it. Okay, but when I hear, as you isolate, when I hear Tony, it is, it does sound a lot like Gilbert Gottfried, and it sounds like an impersonation of Gilbert Gottfried. And again, I go back to King of Queens because there's an episode where a famous guy, he actually does Chris's voice on Family Guy. That actor comes in and does a bunch of different voices. And Doug gets jealous. Kevin James' character gets jealous. But one of the impersonations he does is Gilbert Gottfried signing a package. I don't get it. You want me to sign this package? Do I need a lawyer present? You know, basically, I can't do Gilbert Gottfried. But that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, you know, God rest his soul. But it sounds like my Jewish grandfather from Jamaica, Queens, who would be yelling at somebody on the F train. All right. Here we go again. All right. You, yes. you be the you be the judge. This is the dueling Fauci's here. In this case, that the idea of having treatments available or a vaccine to facilitate the reentry of students into 
the fall term would be something that would be a bit of a bridge too far. Even or we may never be able to shake hands ever again. It's more like if you have two people in a room, it's better if one of them leaves. I, okay. I, I, I hear the same, the person. same person. Here's where I think I can meet you halfway. Tony's Fauci sounds like what the real Fauci would sound like if he were yelling. Exactly. The real Fauci sounds like he's been yelling at the president for the last eight hours and then got on and did the Senate hearing confirmation or whatever the hell. Well, it sounds Senate like hearing. he's been trying to tell the president, no, you can't say that or you can't do that. Or you can't go there, or you can't just you but know. But he's been yelling because his like, voice sounds. Well, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, you know, we have Scott Farrell on the network now. He has a raspy voice. You know, we don't really know where that came from. Maybe he was born with it. I think Dr. Fauci had a very eloquent tone to his voice at some point in life, and it was prior to becoming, uh, prior to going to the White House every day. Well, remember though, he's been on. Like, he was a TV guy before this all happened. No, I know. You understand what I'm saying, right? No, no, right, yes. There's been so much yelling, so much uh, trying to hold hands with a certain someone to say, you can't do, no, that's not right, that's wrong. There's been so much of that going on that his voice, he strained his vocal cords over the last uh, two months. So maybe, maybe you could sneak around and say, but... Again, without the benefit of it, it does sound like Tony's gone full on Godfrey and Fauci has like that's a rare moment in which you hear Fauci unable to yell anymore because he's sitting there talking to people via a television stream to the Senate. But I guess if we had some sort of off cuff or off mic moment where Fauci was yelling in some room that we don't have access to in the West Wing, for example. Maybe he does sound more like Tony. Maybe. But we need to track that audio down because I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure there is some audio somewhere of Fauci losing it and probably sounding a lot. Like maybe that's what happens. You know people sound different when they get angry. Sometimes their voice goes really high. Sometimes it goes really low. People, emotion, especially anger, will change the octave, the sound of your voice. So maybe the guy turns into the Incredible Hulk, and we don't know this. And he's sitting there around me. What is he, like five foot, right? Five, well, he's not a big dude. So maybe he's, he turns into the Incredible Hulk when he gets mad, and all of a sudden he's standing on top of a table, slapping people in uh, some oval office, some back room that we don't even know or have access to. And that's what he sounds like normally. He sounds like Tony D's impersonation. We just got a very rare glimpse of calm Fauci, of down-to-earth Fauci. Now, what he said is compelling in one, re- in one real area. We'll hit fake news coming up. John McMullen in 15 minutes. The biggest takeaway in all of this is what universities themselves want to do. If you as a university, as you as an area of higher learning, do not want to shut down based off of a vaccine or are shutting down based on whether or not we have a vaccine for kids or for anybody on this planet, then you're not going to have school. Then you physically won't be there in the fall. That vaccine won't be here until next year. But 
if you're willing to be flexible and if you're willing to have certain days in which half the school is there and the other days in which the other half and you're maintaining. So I don't agree with this philosophy by any means, but if you're willing to take extreme measures, then maybe, just maybe, you can. Fake news next. So can I ask you a question? Fake news with Ron. With all the fake news out there. Don't believe those lies. It's on Shander to give it to you straight. Three stories, but only one is fake. It's true. I know it's a weird thought, but it's true. Can Shander spot the fraud? Here's Ron Culver. All right. You ready? I love it. All right, my friend. I'm still getting used to that intro. I don't know what to think of it or make of it yet. I think you just take it. Just take, take it, it by the horns. Just Absolutely. And run it. with it. Take it is what you're saying. I, All right, yes. fake story number one because we only have a little bit of time. Uh, DC Comics issue of Detective Comics number 38 recently sold for nearly $300,000 simply because it had an error that has Batman constantly referring to his sidekick as Bobbin. <laughs> I wonder, is something like that done on purpose? You know, the baseball cards? That's what always pops up when something like this happens, where it's a baseball card, right? Wasn't there a famous one with John Olerud? And there's also, like, somebody had the bat with a curse well, word on it. Yeah, that's um, Bill Billy Ripken. I actually have that card. Do you really? Yeah. It's worth something now, isn't it? No. Oh, not I as much I'll... as you think. No, okay, I guess not. I guess it's not a lucrative business anymore. No. But, th- so... And that's the thing is, I wonder, was this done on purpose or was this just a typo that nobody caught? You think, how many comics have they released? DC Comics puts out comic books by the Constantly. day. Right. Yeah. And so you would think something like this, there would are so many checkers on this that it rarely happens. Or maybe nobody gives a damn about, you know, like the sixth best DC comic hero and if there is a typo in Aquaman, like I wouldn't care if there's a typo in Aquaman, but no. this one here is Batman. Right. This is Batman referring to his sidekick as Bobbin. I guess yeah, on w- a couple pages. I don't think it's on all the pages. I think just it was a couple. couple pages. Okay. But really, all you need is one, right? And that's that drives, all you need is one. Drives the cost up to three hundred grand, and it, that's worth more than your Billy Ripken card. I'm shocked. Oh, it's a Billy Ripken card. I think is like five bucks <laughs> with that because like the the reasoning behind it is because um, there's so many in the market. It saturates the market. You know, yes. So there's so many of those type. Now, that if there was it. one, I guess, that had whiteout on it that was issued by, I think it was Tops issued the card or FLIR, one of the two companies, or Don Ross. One, it was one of those three companies. Whoever the issuer of the card was, uh, there was one where they had put whiteout on it. So when it started printing, there was whiteout on it. Those are the rare ones. Got it. Those okay. are worth thousands of dollars. Got it. That makes sense. Now. The one that actually has... The barrel of the bat that says blank face on it, <laughs> which you can clearly see. There's yep. no if, ands, buts about nope. it. Nope. That, that is right um, there. Yeah, that one's like I, maybe I, I think it might. I should double check, but I think the last I looked, it was like 20 bucks or something. Okay. All right. Not, That's not story as one. much as you thought. No. Uh, story number two it took being retired for this nearly 300 pound pitcher. To look the most healthiest he has been since breaking into the majors. CC? CC. Three, I don't know. 300 pound pitcher. Why am I? Because Dontrell Willis is long gone. Is that why? <laughs> Don, well, Dontrell Willis was never pushing three, was he? He had one point. Remember he had that high kick? 
Yeah, but I mean, so he, he lost it because he was so heavy he couldn't get his well, leg I don't think up. He was that ever high. pushing three. I just remember him uh, with the goofy where you know he wore his hat weird. Right, but he had that high kick that he could not do anymore because he was so yeah. big. He wasn't El Cid big, but he was big. But CC, um, yeah, went on a little went on a diet. Now, is this in preparation for a fight, upcoming bare-knuckle fight he has with Mike Tyson? Probably, yeah. He's going to take on the winner of Tyson Briggs? I think so. Okay. <laughs> How old is Sabathia? Uh, what is he? Like, he's in his late 30s, right? Oh, I thought 39. he was a little older. He's 39, so he's 39. too young. He's too young to take on Tyson or Briggs. Well, I mean, with the way he's looking right now, he looks like he's getting, for, uh, he's getting ready for his second career. So that's the story, is that he's come back and he's in shape. That he is, you know, we we have a we all have a image of CC. Yes. Didn't CC, no, that was uh, who was that? The the fat panda Pedro, somebody who broke his belt. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, for the didn't Giants. I, maybe didn't CC break a belt once too? He might have. You never know, man. Those things yeah. are easy to break. Well, when you're when you're testing the limit of that belt, probably easy to break. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, what's the third story? Story number three. <laughs> a couple black bears had a serious case of the munchies as they ransacked a rental cabin, stealing candy, some beers, two Diet Cokes, and about 20 Zyrtex. Wow. What do you think a bear would do if he got it stoned? Uh, think about how I'm much a bear thinking, normally eats. I'm thinking he would have gone for uh, a bunch of candy, some beers, two Diet Cokes, and a... Well, I don't know about the Zyrtex. They well, that's probably, what I mean. They probably misread the label. At that point, right, if, you're, if you really are stoned to the point where you have munchies, you're a black bear, and, and you'll feast on anything left by campers, and then you enhance it with a drug that makes you want to eat even more. Yeah. I, I mean, come on. You're talking about no holds barred at that point. You're probably looking to eat people. Yeah, they uh, they made off with five pounds of Reese's peanut butter cups, a pound of M and M's, two pounds of Sour Patch Kids, and two pounds of potato chips. Who had all this food? It was a couple staying in the cabin near uh, Gatlinburg, Maryland, Tennessee, Tennessee, I believe. I believe yeah. Gatlinburg's in Tennessee. I believe yeah, so. Two friends, well. two people. So were they riding out the apocalypse in some cabin in Gatlinburg, Tennessee? Apparently, and their choice was five pounds of Reese's peanut butter cup, pound of M and M's, two pounds of uh, last Skittles, question. Sour Patch Kids, I don't know. Do we know how long they were there before the bear came? Because if they were there for like three weeks, I hate to break it to you, brother, but they had a way more than five pounds of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yeah. I'm not sure how long they were there. Unbelievable. All right, so to recap here, story one. Quick recap. Story number one, DC comic misprint stole. Bobbin. Bobbin sold for 300000 Uh CC Sabathia looking svelte. And a couple black bears had a case of the munchies. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say story one. We'll get John McMullen's take next. Listening to the second level on SB Nation Radio and on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander. Man, I think I might have found the 
fake news spillover story of the day, and it involves designer Vera Wang. My goodness. And I'll leave it at that. Our NFL insider joins us on the progressive guest line, John McMullen at JF McMullen. Hear him here, Sirius XM. You hear him in the evenings with Tony Bruno as well as myself on SB Nation Radio, Philadelphia and beyond. Football 24-7 as well, Sports Illustrated. You're in more places than me, you know, right? I don't think I'll ever reach Aton Sander levels, but I'm trying. You got to you got to reach for the stars. Well, look, I'm more about quantity than quality. All right, you on the <laughs> other hand like to focus on quality, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we do this a lot when you're on. It seems to be a natural progression from last segment into this segment. But fake news. There were three stories, and we need your help. The first story is a DC comic sold for, I believe, around three hundred thousand dollars. Correct. Correct. Because in the comic book itself, there is a typo where Batman refers to Robin as Bobbin a couple of times. So that is the first fake story, which is a typo is now landing somebody $300,000 richer for selling that comic book. Story two, CeCe Sabathia has turned himself around from the hefty, overweight pitcher that we all knew and loved to a reinvented, chiseled human being who may or may not be looking at a bare-knuckle match with Mike Tyson. Now, or I a comeback. Know, or a comeback. Maybe just that. At 39, maybe, maybe, you're you know, right, Ron. Maybe he's going the Jordan route. That, that He's inspired by the last dance. There but that's story two. And then <laughs> story three, this one actually I, was a little difficult for me going back and forth on it. A couple of black bears stormed upon a cabin in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and made out with five pounds of Reese's peanut butter cups, a couple of pounds of Sour Patch Kids and Hershey Kisses, and a bunch of crap that you would... It, it was like Halloween for these bears in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Right, Ron? Yes. Okay. Now, I said story one. What say you? Well, I, I, hey, bears will eat anything, so I'm going to assume that's at least possible. Um uh, comic book nerds, that's possible. Uh, but I know CC Sabathia got recently got in shape. So uh, I'm, I'm torn and I'm going to have to go. I, I don't, I don't think comic book nerds, certain things will, will raise the price. Uh, but I don't think it'll raise it that much for a typo. I mean, if you want typos, I can charge you a hundred thousand per and be able to retire tomorrow. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go the bears. Uh, Both of us, Ron, are on the bears. No, sorry. I'm on story one. John's on story three. Hey, you know what? Aton, one of us has to be right. Yeah. You bested John today. Story Uh, number one, completely false all the way through. See, you had too much faith in the comic con people. Yeah. But if you guys really want just a mind-blowing, like, how did the world of that happen, all you got to throw in, and you can throw it in your Google later, your Twitter machine, just type in the word CC Sabathia. Probably will be the first story to come up. The dude looks ripped, and it makes no sense at all. I wonder what he's on. Well, it's baseball, so you got to assume HDH. But, you know, yeah. and, hey, 
it's not necessarily a bad thing if you need it. Uh, maybe you shouldn't. No, get, and he can't. Wait, no, CC. You can't get kicked out of the CC league now for a, testing positive, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, he was a heck of a pitcher, obviously, but I mean, he had one major issue, and if you think about his his knee issues, uh, that that was probably directly related uh, to his weight. So it's probably a little sad. How good could he have been? How many how many wins could he have reached if he kept himself in shape? Well, you know, there's never anybody outside of a lineman. Do we ever, ever have that conversation about anybody in the NFL? Because you could point to probably a good handful of pitchers and maybe even a couple of position players that didn't have to move off a bag much and question how much better they might have been or maybe longevity if they were in better shape. But do we even have that outside of a lineman? Do we ever have that conversation? Could a running back be that much better if if he wasn't as like more chiseled, I guess, than he normally was? Uh, there's a few examples. I mean, there are some really, really big running backs. Uh, hey, maybe means. if they would have kept him. So, yeah, Natron. Me, that's a good one. Uh, that's that's a real good one. Even Brandon Jacobs. He he wasn't overtly out of shape, but. You know, you like wonder. Too big. Yeah, he was too big. You wonder if he lost maybe twenty pounds, what he could have been. Uh, a, a few running backs, certainly not receiver, corners, certainly not any of those thoroughbred positions. Unfortunately, Jared Lorenzen passed away a little yeah. while ago. You remember him Hefty uh, playing quarterback at trying to play quarterback at three hundred pounds. That was interesting. Well, and he made a name for himself in the Arena League. He was able to sling that sucker around left and right rather easily in the Arena League. He was pushing people off like they were toddlers bouncing off him. Yeah, it's like uh, like Eli Manning in the Super Bowl. Jared <laughs> Lorenz. Yeah, people give Jared Lorenzen credit for that because nobody could sack him. Nope. He caught Eli had to shrug people off. It's hilarious. All right, so I'm curious. This story popped up a little earlier today, and it involves two teams in the NFC East. Do you see former Eagles tackle Jason Peters landing in Washington? Well, Washington obviously finally moved on from Trent Williams as they had to because he wasn't about to play for Daniel Snyder again. So they finally got that done on, on, on draft weekend, traded him out to San Francisco. So they could use a left tackle. Uh, Jason Peters wants to play. We all understand that. Um, and there are limited fits, even though this is one of those things in the NFL where you say, if it's a true meritocracy, you know, Jason Peters doesn't have a problem finding a job because even though he might not be what he once was and he's a future Hall of Fame left tackle, he was easily a top 10 left tackle in this league last year. But you're, he's 38 years old. He's injury prone. We just talked about guys who's not in the best shape. He, he often doesn't finish games. Um, all that is into the equation, so it's not as easy as a fit as you would imagine, and that's the reason he still hasn't uh, found a home yet. And then you add the pandemic on top of it. So if you do want to sign Jason Peters, you probably want your medical team to take a look at him, and that's more complicated in this environment. Um, and, and, hey, uh, the guy should be a starting left tackle in the NFL uh, next season. And ultimately, I think if we ever do get back and ramp this thing up, I think there will be teams around this league that look at their projected left tackles and say, we're just not good enough. 
And even if it's for one year, you could do a lot worse than Jason Peters. Um, and there's, you know, even talk in Philadelphia that he might be back. So uh, ultimately he's going to find a job, but I think he's got uh, the ability to wait because, let's be honest, nobody's doing anything. So what's the big deal? And by the way, he'll probably get more money the longer he waits because if injuries crop up, when we do get this thing started, then he becomes more valuable. Who gets signed first? Not a better football player has more of an impact on the upcoming team, but who just gets signed first for whatever reason? Is it Jason Peters or Cam Newton? Wow, that's a, that's a good one. I, I think... Both of them, you would think just from an age standpoint, uh, Cam would be the easy answer. But I think they're both fighting that same uh, issue that I just talked about. And the fact that Cam himself has a lot of injury issues. Uh, he's coming off another surgery. And, and again, I think teams would want to look at him before they bring him in. And, and secondly, I, I think Cam is in that same category as well, whereas Look, maybe he can't get a starting job right now. Um, but as you go into training camp, if somebody goes down, best example of that was Minnesota years ago when Teddy Bridgewater had that horrible injury, and all of a sudden the panic sets in. You don't have a good backup quarterback, uh, and you got to find somebody, whether it's through the trade market or, or guys on the street, and then all of a sudden Cam Newton can not only be a starting quarterback, but a starting quarterback with significant money. So ultimately, I think the best path for him is to wait as long as possible uh, and try to get a starting position in this league. So uh, uh, even though it might not be the obvious path, I would say Jason signs before Cam. John McMullen joining us on the Progressive Guest Line at JF McMullen on Twitter. So the news is out, not that it shocked anybody. Monday Night Football is going to have a new booth. I do have a question regarding a third voice up in the booth. But before we get there, I need you to, at the very least, conceptualize what a perfect booth would be. So I don't know if there's anybody out there that's left. I know they say they're going to make it an internal decision. But is there anybody that you have either lobbied for in your own brain or thought, you know, if they bring this group in, or even if it's just one play-by-play person or one color commentator, that's the step in the right direction for a perfect booth or at least a good replacement? Well, I think we already have a perfect. Well, it's close to it. You're never going to get perfect. Even even Aton Sanders, not quite perfect. But uh, Tony Romo, to me, is the best uh, color analyst of all time. So I, I think that's obviously why people um, – fought over him and, and, yeah. and the fact that he's a natural and was able to do it right off the bat. So that's off the table. And you start thinking to yourself, okay, who could be good at this? And the one guy who was actually going to go to the booth and then changed his mind at the last lim- minute because Miami was in a desperate situation, needed a quarterback after an injury. People don't realize it. Jay Cutler is a I would funny, love it. witty guy. And and they were going, remember, he agreed to go into the booth. I believe it was with Fox at the time. They understood call. it. And then I think, you know, they got a little angry, to be honest, that he went back on, on, on his promise to go into the booth and, and played another season. Then, for whatever reason, he's getting divorced because he's lazy. <laughs> Unmotivated and lazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so maybe that's why. But 
people look at him on the field. They look at his mannerisms. They look at his body language and say, that guy, that guy is funny and witty, and people don't realize it. And I think he would be great at it. John, always a pleasure, man. We'll chat later this week. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks, Aton. You got a John McMullen at JF McMullen on Twitter. Our fake news spillover story of the day. I know Ron's got something, but wait until you hear about soon-to-be 71-year-old. I want to make sure I have her name right. Vera Wang. My goodness. We'll wrap the hour next. Listening to the second level on SB Nation Radio and on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander. Two quick things before we get out of here with our fake news spillover story of the day. The wording used in not only the email before the Senate hearing, but the actual wording today by Dr. Fauci will be used to determine whether things will return or not in this country from a sports standpoint. And the biggest thing you need to take away from what Fauci said is, quote, if we skip over the checkpoints and the guidelines to open America again, then we risk the danger of multiple outbreaks throughout the country. As we've been saying for now months, these things change and shift based on human behavior. In fact, we could actually make this thing significantly worse, but it's always based on if and then. It doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. It means exactly the opposite, which is it's all based on predictive models and human behavior. The other thing is the Tony Hawk games are coming back. We're not going to get NCAA football anytime soon. That's a reality. But, man, I can't wait. It's coming out soon this year the remastering of both one and two Tony Hawk pro skaters. Sign me up. That's going to waste at least a weekend. All right. Now, I mentioned this Vera Wang thing, but you probably have something better. 71-year-old Vera Wang, their pictures of her, she looks like she's 30 years old. I'll leave it at that. I've never seen anything like this. She's 71, and she looks like she's 30. She's got a six-pack. Well, yeah, that, and uh, she's filthy, stinking rich. Well, so yeah, she probably hire a great trainer. That's true, but it's seventy-one. Now, did like you this. look? Did you see CC Sabathia? I did. He, I, I'm not going to take him on in the ring. <laughs> Doesn't look like uh, the the man you were. You're he does not. Accustomed to knowing. No, he does not. Now you have a bizarre f- real story that we didn't get to. Yeah, I do have. A, I do have a real story that we didn't get to, and maybe we need to dive into it a little bit more. I'm sure we will tomorrow. Yeah, you ready for it? I'm. I'm just going to give yes. you the headline and let you play with it. Thank you. Mike Tyson tried to fight Michael Jordan at a birthday party in 1988 over Robin Givens. Absolutely. We know what's already happened in hindsight with Robin Givens. We also know that thanks to Madonna, Jordan has awkward game at best. Like Jordan's one of those dudes who comes in and says, yeah, Michael Jordan, just expects to leave with the room. And if you actually have to work for it or somebody's making you work for it, you're going to look awkward. That's why he loved Tiger so much. Yeah, I would have I would have had no problem believing that. But at the same time, you're right. We do have to dive a little deeper into this. Mike, T- <laughs> I tell you, Mike Tyson going off the rails is worth any pay-per-view event. 
Mike Tyson, like Mike Tyson getting spoofed by Sasha Baron Cohen and his reaction to that. I'd pay $59.99 just to see that. Good stuff, man. Thanks to Jacob Media. Matt Peralt pushing the odds next.